three, two, and one. We are live. There you go. So welcome to episode seven of Q&A. Uh, remember, uh, we're doing these weekly now, shorter episodes, but uh, oh. doing it on a weekly basis. Uh, remember, our streaming schedule right now, folks, is uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, that's what we've been doing. Tuesdays is more of the uh, how-to type uh, episodes. And uh, Thursdays are the uh, Q&A uh, sessions. Yo, Ryan, what up? My ENTP brother from another mother, bro. Totally dope. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, so remember, the format uh, for the Q&A is uh, those of those members of this audience that has joined our Discord server. And if you don't know how to get to our Discord server, the link is provided in the description of all of our lectures. Just uh, click on that link and uh, you'll be able to get into our Discord server. And our Discord members of this community have left uh, questions uh, for me to uh, answer. I don't really think I used to like read the questions now. I just don't even read them until Jab reads them off to me, basically. Uh, but the point is, is that that's where the questions are. Uh, sometimes we also look in the YouTube chat uh, to see, uh, you know, if there's any additional questions every now and then. And obviously, if someone wants to use the super chat, we'll literally derail the show and stop, answer their question before moving on to more Discord questions. So that is the format of our show, uh, just in case anyone had any questions about uh, how we do things or where the questions are, where they're coming from, etc. So, and thanks to those who are actually uh, joining me here on Discord uh, for the live stream as well. I uh, very much appreciate it. Uh, that being said, uh, I think, uh, Jab, we can get this show on the road, unless you want to, unless you have something else you would like to add. No, uh, let's just move forward. I mean, we've got a lot of questions here, and we've got a lot of answers to give to those questions that we have. So, all right, let's um, do it. Yeah, sounds good. I'm going to start with this first question, which is where we cut off from yesterday, uh, from last stream. And, and this person asks, are you going to do any videos about personality disorders and how they relate to depth psychology? Personality disorders? Uh, I could, but that's really in the like psychiatry. And I'm not a psychiatrist. I would like to think I'm a psychologist. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. like Freud is all about psych psychiatry, whereas Jung was all about psychology. Uh, two different schools of thought. And in terms of disorders go, the, the thing that I would say about disorders is basically, you know, most of the disorders are just literally labels and not really anything more than just these special labels that we put on people per se. And there's a chance mm -hmm. that there's a lot of misdiagnoses in as much as there's a lot of mistyping going on out there when we're coming to like, like uh, diagnosing mental disorders like uh, autism or Asperger's, et cetera. I mean, you know, it, <laughs> I've even had my own family tell me I was autistic. But the, but the point is, uh, probably it's not my wheelhouse. It's just not my wheelhouse. So I'm probably not going to be spending that much effort on it, to be honest. Right. Uh, do you have any sources for that person to go read into that if they want? Uh, I would probably say Dario Nardi. Uh, and if not Dario Nardi... Um, then, uh, I mean, I think Kiersey even actually talked about it for a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, 
I, I just don't know that much about it. Uh, I don't even know mm-hmm. where the spectrums lay. I don't even know what that's all about. I, I, I really just don't know. I mean, our, our mutual friend John would know more about it than I would, to be honest. Right. I mean, we could have him as yeah. a, a guest of the show and talk about it, but otherwise, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I mean that seems like a fairly decent answer to me. Uh, with the answer being perhaps looking to Dario Nardi or Kiersey. And with that point, let's move forward. Is not being motivated by money normal for an INTP? Yeah, that's very normal. I mean, what motivates INTPs? Literally nothing motivates them other than helping people or making them as comfortable as possible. The only thing that motivates an INTP is them being as comfortable as possible with their life and, and just happy and fine where they're at They're They want to keep that massive equilibrium of just like, Oh, I'm comfy. I'm good. No need to change. You know, and that's literally like, you know, that, uh, like the man's prayer, the man's prayer from red green. If you've never watched red green, like what's wrong with you, but like the man's prayer. And it's like, it goes like this. I'm a man and I can change if I have to, I guess. That's that's the man's prayer, according to Red Green, and uh, that's literally the uh, the hallmark of the INTP. Oh, I'm comfy, so no need changing if I'm comfortable, right? It's only when they're out of their comfort right. zone that they actually need to change. You know what I mean? So, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, like why are we even going to bother doing that, right? They're not going to. So, their priorities are not necessarily about making money, unless it's necessary to have money in order for them to be comfortable. But if they're already at a comfort state without needing money, then there's no point, right? So yeah, I mean, uh, the other the only other thing that could motivate them is helping others and being supportive to others, and that's literally about it. Otherwise, good luck motivating mm-hmm. an INTP to do anything. And if they need to like right. motivate themselves, then they need to get themselves out of their comfort zone. Seriously, it's all about getting out of the comfort zone, having self discipline, forcing them. Like it would be really good for like an INTP in a rite of passage to just drop them off in a country where they don't even speak the language and leave them alone. And for like six months and see if they survive like that. That would be a great rite of passage for an INTP child, to be honest. Yeah, I think there was a movie with that in it. Oh, yeah. Which movie was that? <laughs> oh, uh, the, the Emerald Forest. <laughs> that movie. That one. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great film. If you haven't watched it, please recommend it. Or I recommend it for sure. Hashtag, hashtag watch Emerald Forest for its uh, rite of passage for young adults. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Okay, this next question. Could an INTP and an ISTP live with one live with each other? And if so, then how? I mean, anyone can live with anyone, but otherwise uh, they're probably going to have to be in like cognitive transition. If you don't know what cognitive transition is, look up the cognitive transition lecture in season one. And it explains that when you have two TI heroes in the same in the same room, they're basically going to like one of them has to like, okay, you get to be the TI user right now, and I'm gonna go into my shadow and be the TE user, basically. And that's that's how their relationship's going to go. Otherwise, the ISTP would just see the INTP as someone who's insanely childish. Uh, with uh, like their comfort zone. Oh, you're just being really dumb about how you have to be comfortable all the time. And then the INTP would look at the ISTP and be like, well, you're really childish with what you want. You know, you're like this kid in the candy store. If you can't get your way, you can't get what you want. Then like, is there anything like real here? You know, 
Like you're obviously a bad person because, and you're a selfish person because it's just all about what you want. Right. And they just criticize mm -hmm. each other that way. And it's just really pathetic. You know what I mean? So not, not something I'd recommend uh, these people be roommates. Uh, no, not something I recommend. Uh, I mean, that's always a rough combination. Both what SI uses? Uh, well, uh, the ISTP. I oh, know. The TI users. Yeah, ISTP. Yeah, sorry, both TI users. There's going to be conflict in the sense that they're, one's going to try and act smarter than the other. Going to give, have some inbuilt conflict based there. Uh, let's keep moving forward. And with that, we've got how can it how could an ENTP male respond to being betrayed by an ENFP female? Mm, this is an interesting oh, one. That is an interesting one. Uh, with dragon fire, you know, dragon energy, <laughs> ENTP style, right? You know, Kanye West, right? right. <laughs> Borrow some Kanye West dragon energy and then Dra uh, drag in the dumpster. Yeah, totally dumpster. I mean, I mean, get get your forklift license, then get a forklift, and then lower the uh, ENFP into the uh, the dumpster at that point in time. Light it on fire and throw it down the hill. Right? Is that is that what we're we're advocating here for? No. Uh, to be serious, um, to really understand how ENTPs handle betrayal, is you actually watch the. Uh, um, uh, the CW series uh, spinoff of Vampire Diaries known as the Originals uh, because Klaus Michelson, the main character of the Originals, he's an ENTP. And you kind of kind of see, you get a, get the opportunity to see just how ENTPs react to betrayal uh, in uh, just by watching, you know, his uh, interactions with the other characters. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the best portrayals of an ENTP I've ever seen in television, other than like the Aviator movie with uh, Howard Hughes as played by Leonardo DiCaprio, for example, or Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs in the recent Steve Jobs film, etc. But uh, yeah, like ENTPs don't do betrayal very well because from their point of view, if they are betrayed by somebody, their SE demon comes out and wants to light everything on fire. Like immediately, because mm -hmm. extroverted sensing is all about hoping or expecting that other people are loyal to them. And if that person is disloyal, well, guess what? It's just going to like they're the ENFP in that situation is just going to have to have no choice but to spontaneously combust. Although it's not technically spontaneous. if They have no choice, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, like, like blow that up. Yeah. No, I the thing is, too, like most ENFPs aren't even aware that they're doing the betrayal. Because, I mean, I was talking to an NFP about this earlier today, and I'm like, yeah, so for some reason, FI parents and FI heroes, like, they get, they, they turn into these giant-ass busybodies and gossips, basically, <laughs> and they want to get involved in all of the drama so that, you know, uh, whatever decision was made by the authority at the moment, you know, it has to pass their reviewing stand because they're so important those FI parents and those FI heroes as NFPs are so important that their opinion matters and there has to be social justice, right? There's gotta be social justice. And well, if I don't feel good about it, then you obviously did something wrong, right? It's just like unbelievable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you gotta be yeah. careful with them. You know, like, like I said, the spontaneous combustion of SED, but it's definitely going in their direction. All right. So we got a question here. Uh, Aiden was, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling his last or pronouncing his last name and making myself look like a, <laughs> no, not doing that. So his question is, 
If life can cause people to enter into the different sides of their mind almost permanently, i.e. the Joker, how can you tell if someone is actually, say, in their shadow versus their ego? It's a good question. Although, to be fair, the Joker was actually stuck in a super ego. He wasn't stuck in their shadow. Uh, so, but to answer the question specifically in terms of the shadow, so it's more of a, uh, a, a like, a, it's like a bleed effect. You ever hear about the bleed effect from Assassin's Creed, right? It's, it's very similar to that. You still maintain the traits of your ego, except they become more of the background, whereas the shadow, the unconscious side of the mind becomes the foreground, right? So the ego is still there. There's no just, there's no static switch between the two and you just lose access to those cognitive functions. You have access to all eight cognitive functions. It's just what your mind is using primarily at the time. And it's very common, especially with children to be stuck in their shadow, because if they're like, if they, well, they, if they have a parent, right? If that parent shares cognitive functions with them in the same quadra, when they're around that parent, they will have to be basically in their shadow or they will learn over time to be in their shadow to compensate for the fact that the adult, the dominant person present in the room is basically able to be in their personality, right? And that's probably what happened to that parent because they probably had a parent who, had, who was also in the same quadro as well. Like, so it's just this constant endless cycle of pain as it were. And uh, it's like, it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not. And and by the way, Lin Yen Chen, Dragonzord or Bust. Uh, anyway, so that's how to answer the question. Uh, you know, but, if your your quadra really determines, and whoever else in your family, for example, just really determines it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your family. It, it could be like a supervisor at work, right? If they're in your quadra, you're likely going to have to end up going into your shadow just to cope with the fact that this person of authority over you is there, right? And that would be a, a serious issue. So just just be aware of that. I hope, uh, Aiden, you feel satisfied with that answer. Um, so. Oh, I mean, I can chime in a little bit on that as well if you sure. want. Sure, sure, go and for it. My answer to that is the difference between the shadow and the ego is when you are in your shadow, you still don't really display the third and fourth slot of that side of your mind. So you kind of really won't display your trickster function or your demon function until you hit your superego. And even then, the trickster function kind of isn't there still. So, so for example, chasing his INTJ shadow would not really show much FI or SE. It would be primarily NITE. Whereas... So, yeah, that's... The simple way to think about it, like you primarily show the top two functions, whereas slots three and four won't be there if it's you in your shadow. Right, and you'd be you would show you'd be more confrontational when you're in your shadow. Uh, it, right, you're highly pessimistic. Exactly. Yeah, I mean the shadow itself, the the unconscious side of the mind is overall pessimistic, even though it has some optimistic functions in it. It's still overall pessimistic, whereas the ego is overall optimistic but it has some pessimistic functions in it. So it's kind of, it's like a, it's like a balance equilibrium or a, a, a yin and yang essentially. All right. Let's go with the next question. Uh, ENTPs, natural born entrepreneurs. I think there was a Instagram post about something similar to this. Maybe. 
Uh, I don't remember. The delegation one? Oh, yeah, the delegation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ENPs in general are natural born entrepreneurs. So, yeah, what's the question? Or are they? Is that uh, a question? Yeah. And I guess we can explain why, just to give us some context. Okay. Uh, so a good example would be Gary Vaynerchuk. He's an ENP, and he'd always tell stories about how he'd uh, have a Beckett for baseball cards, understanding the values of baseball cards so that he could buy more baseball cards and sell said ba baseball cards at school or at little trade shows that he would do for profit, right? I did the same thing. When I was in middle school, I would buy packs and packs and packs of Pokemon cards and then sell the rares for huge amounts of profit. I'd sell like uh, holographic Charizard, for example, for 80 bucks a pop in those days, right? And uh, I made some really good money uh, doing that. Uh, and I was very you know, excited to be able to have that opportunity because I just show up to, um, KB toys in the mall and they're the only place I could go to to get packs of cards and I'd buy 10 to 20 packs at a time I get a bunch of you know those those uh, holographic rares and then I just go to school with them and uh, I'd sell them to the kids at, during lunch or even before school or whatever and make a huge profit go buy go back and buy even more cards and I had a very nice little card business mm -hmm. for a while until the fad like exploded so that's just kind of you know where it comes from you know uh, yeah. But yeah, naturally entrepreneurial, of course. It's introverted intuition nemesis, worried about our own futures. So we're constantly trying to make our own future better. So we look for opportunities wherever we can. And then we realize that in order mm -hmm. for us to have a better future, we have to intertwine the futures of other people around us. And then as a result of that, uh, we're able to then, you know, bring people along with us for the ride because we realize that if we don't help other people's futures, then our future is going to suck. And that's just generally right. how it works because we know that we can't do it on our own. Hence right. So you got to use that any and intertwine your futures yeah. so that what they want is what you want. Yep. Expert intuition is all about intertwining fates. This is why an any hero is a, when they're doing deals, they can get like five or six people together in a chain and then make a deal with each one of them until they get to the last person in the chain and finally get what they want. They're willing to mm. go that far for it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Is there anything else you want to add, or should we move no, on? No, we're good. Person? I think we're good. We can move on. All right. What personality do you get if all the eight cognitive functions are split in half? I don't understand what he means by that. If all of the eight cognitive functions are split in half, uh, half of what? Like I, half up and down, half left or right? I have no idea what the context is of this. Mm. I think what he means is if they're all in equilibrium. So I believe the answer would be enlightenment. I guess. Yeah. Let's just skip forward. Um, if he wants to re-ask that question with a bit more detail so we can get some context behind what he means, that'd be great. Otherwise, let's keep going. What type is most likely to be a narcissist? What Ugh. type is if we're talking like? All right, hold on. Let's let's do this. Let's do this justice. Define narcissism. So let's read off the definition here: excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's uh, physical appearance, or extreme selfishness with a grandiose view of one's own talents and a craving for admiration as characterizing a personality type. If that's the case, I would have to default to the ENFP. 
as uh, the type that has <laughs> the worst potential of being a narcissist because virtue and vice speaking, their vice is depravity, which is which makes the ENFP potentially the absolute most selfish of all the types with the INFP mm -hmm. as a close second. Um, uh, if you right. guys don't know about this, I recommend you watch. I think it's season seven, Virtue and Vice, to learn more about Virtue and Vice. Wow. Okay, let's keep going. So where can ENTP find NJs to build relationships with that could lead to getting business from them? So you're trying to get business from NJs. Uh, you so would. I think this person wants to build a relationship with NJs for the purpose of businesses. So he wants people who are business minded. Where can he meet? Oh, people? or potentially someone to create a, uh, an executive team from, um, mm -hmm. basically, I mean, for me, it was playing online games and MMORPGs and meeting people <laughs> online, basically more than anything for developing my executive team. Uh, but for others, uh, meetup groups is a great opportunity, uh, trade shows, events. The NJs are usually the ones in charge or they're the big-time workhorses uh, of those events uh, specifically. Uh, also, uh, leaders of existing startups and that go to startups and have relationships with, the who are, with people who are doing startups and go from that direction and try to target startups who don't have venture capital. Uh, that way, the NJ is free, more freer to make decisions in your direction as an NTP. Otherwise, they're not going to be as free because they're still kind of a slave to the venture capitalist. So, mm -hmm. right, yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Uh, I mean, the best place to always find talent is in such video games because usually those people are like underutilized and highly talented, and they're like. Oh, hey, I'm really talented, but I have nowhere to direct all my talented energy, so I'm going to put all my energy into a game, and all of a sudden I've spent 100 hours building a spreadsheet to become the best, you know, market manipulator in the game. And it's like, wow, if you if you put that much effort into real life as you did into this video game, you'd probably be, be a millionaire. Yeah, definitely. All right. Anyway, let's move forward. So we've got another question. What are the cognitive functions that drive a type to be movement or control? Uh, that's really subjective. Like, for example, if you want to just look at straight cognitive functions being movement or control. So I'm actually going to write that down. So... We got a super chat donation. So we'll, yeah, we do. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So, movement versus uh, control. Okay, so just writing that down for reference for later. But uh, so, for example, um, extroverted sensing is uh, is a is a movement based uh, cognitive function. Introverted intuition is a movement based cognitive function, whereas introverted sensing and extroverted intuition is a control based uh, cognitive function, essentially. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, how that, how that would, how that would work, or you have, uh, extroverted thinking is more control based, whereas TI is, you know, more, more, you know, like it's not like, or, or like you have direct, like, so TI is more direct, uh, whereas extroverted thinking or extroverted feeling, they're more indirect, uh, introverted feeling is direct. The, the thing is though, it doesn't matter. Like you can't break it down to individual functions to understand, uh, like 
it does you no good because you have to understand the functions, you need to stop treating the functions alone. You need to treat the functions in combos. Combos is everything. If you don't understand combos, you need to watch season five, cognitive synchronicity, and the end of season one to understand cognitive combos. And we'll be talking more about combos later uh, specifically, but you have things like the demonic child or the demonic parent or uh, the, the critical parent or the critical inferior. That's a really rough one is the critical inferior. Good luck surviving that combination. But uh, mm -hmm. cognitive functions, when you put them together, the interaction style changes, the temperament changes, right? It's all about combinations. And that's why you have to look to the quadras for that instead. And that's basically how I would answer that question. Yes, each individual cognitive function has their own interaction style. It has their own temperament style individually, but that doesn't matter. Uh, when you start putting them together in various combinations per quadra, and then even the order changes after quadra, it's still an entirely different interaction style, right? So for example, take NTPs and SFJs. They're all informative, right? They're all informative, mm -hmm. but, uh, but some of them are movement and some of them are control. Some of them are responding, some of them are initiating, right? So it's all about... It's all about uh, uh, the combination, uh, as it were. And that's that's how I would answer that question. Uh, so uh, let's go to Liz's question uh, in mm -hmm. the YouTube chat. What would be the most reliable questions to type someone correctly? Honestly, I don't do that. I'm like, I don't do questions. Uh, and if I do questions, mm, good question. I, I mean, there's a few of them like uh like here's here's one question i actually asked an estj this earlier today but it's like i asked them so are you a person that would rather ask permission before forgiveness or are you a person who would rather ask for forgiveness instead of permission right and that's one question you could ask to help determine affiliative versus pragmatic her answer was well a little bit of both you see what i mean like situations like that it's when you're answering uh you know the it really comes up on the uh, question asker and the question answerer. Like it's very subjective uh -huh. when you do that. It's best to analyze someone from a distance or on a one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, yeah. you know, when you're looking at their interaction style and their temperament according to the type grid and the temperament matrix to kind of understand who they are and do it from that direction instead of just relying on some static questions that you can like create a test for. And I realized that I'm creating a test and it will be available at csjoseph.life uh, in the very near future and also as a mobile application. Uh, but when it comes out, it will not be following just some, you know, set of questions that you answer and that's your type. Like we're not doing that. Like we're not doing that at all. We have a completely different method that we're utilizing that no one else is doing specifically because we're tired of, you know, trying to pigeonhole everyone in these questions when depending on the audience, they can be really subjective. Like for example, uh, imagine an ESFP or an ENFP taking the test and they're like, but anything could be true because I have TI trickster. Anything could be false, mm -hmm. right? Or what if it's an ENTP or an ESTP taking a test? And they're like, well, anything could be a good thing or anything could be a bad thing because I have FI trickster. I don't know what's good or bad. To me, it's all the same. It's all the same to an FI trickster. Anything is good and anything is bad. It just it depends on who feels it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't do that. So. I, I can't really answer that question, Liz, and I apologize. I can't really offer reliable questions to type someone correctly because there is no reliable questions. 
I mean, there's some questions that it could potentially be considered more reliable than others, but there just really isn't. There is not a uh, like a rubric that you can follow because humans are not like machines in that way. I mean, obviously you know that already, but but the point is, it just it's not something that would be something I could commit to. I you know, I mean, ask questions. So the best thing I could offer, if you're going to create questions, you know, look at who you're dealing with identify what their functions are and their their top four and don't do it like specific functions oh that guy obviously has fi parent no you can't do that instead be like he's an fite user and he's an nise user okay and then you got that figured out you know and then look at well is he pragmatic or is he affiliative is he uh abstract or is he concrete and create questions specifically for determining abstraction versus concrete or determining systematic versus interest or determining uh you know, affiliation or pragmatism, right? And then the interaction styles, direct versus uh, informative, initiating versus responding, control versus movement. Those are three potential questions that you could ask there. So know your audience, create your questions based off of the temper matrix and the interaction styles. And that's how I would approach it. That's what I do already, right? So basically, yeah, yeah that, yeah, Liz, that's how I would answer that question. Um, I mean... Yeah, there are some good questions. I think a good way of determining whether somebody is um, abstract or concrete is look at a major life decision they've made and ask them why they made that decision. Right. Now, if they dance around with a lot of what-ifs, then there's a good chance that they're abstract. And if right. they say, you know, it just is because that is the truth or something along those lines then they're probably concrete. So, I mean, a few good examples of this is perhaps something like um, if somebody converted to a religion or became an atheist or changed their religious beliefs or whatnot, you could ask them why they made those decisions. Now, if their answer is what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, then there's a good chance that they're abstract. So... When it comes to concrete versus abstract, look at major life decisions have made and try and rationalize their decision making. Um, with, I, I've always found with control and movement, there's always a good highway question, but it, then again, that's not 100% accurate. So the question being like, oh, you're on the highway and it's gridlocked. And there's an exit ramp. You can either get off the highway and drive to get to the destination the exact same amount of time it would take if you stayed on the highway. Do you go off the exit ramp or do you stay on the highway and gridlock? Now, you, if you're going to get to your destination the exact same amount of time, then you know there's no difference in result whether you stay on or leave. It's just a matter of personal preference. So if you're going to get off and drive at faster speeds instead of being gridlocked, then that would imply that you lean more towards movement. Whereas if you're more than happy to sit in that gridlock traffic and, you know, just get there in the time that it's going to take and, you know, it's slower, so it's more controlled, it's more safe, then that would imply your control. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That That's a very introverted intuition response. I mean... Uh, <laughs> So, so like, for example, we had a typist on our Discord server. His name was Bale, and he also had a similar approach where he maintained that, like, he had these photos and these specific questions, uh, you know, within his meta 
uh, within his method. Introverted intuition heroes, I you know I have to respect them and respect that they're they're an I approach uh, with um, you know trying to get it down to specifics from a question standpoint. Yes, there is definitely some validity to it, but it's a really there's a huge risk that comes with those questions because the audience you know they they have their trickster functions you don't know necessarily how they're going to judge that question or how they're going to perceive that function per se so i take a more expert intuition approach using introverted mm. sensing and just kind of experience the audience over time and collect evidence yeah. over time before i say specifically what it is i'm not saying the introvert intuition way is incorrect i'm not saying that actually you know i wasn't i didn't figure out that i was actually an entp instead of an intj until after i met uh, an ni hero who told me otherwise so there is validity to it i just don't exactly right. i can't really comment on the specifics of that right now so jab you did a way better job of explaining it than i could have just by default yeah well, i mean i completely agree with you in the sense that you're far better off typing someone if you just understand and are capable of identifying the font it's like Right. Informative versus direct is pretty easy to identify. You know, if someone answers your question with a story that doesn't exactly answer your question, but like you can kind of piece together the answer from the story they've told you, they're probably informative. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, Aiden yep. Washney's uh, said, "Do different drugs bring about different sides of the mind?" The answer to that question is absolutely yes, they do. Although we don't right. specifically know all of them and how they work. Uh, so for example, alcohol puts you more into your shadow because we've seen and noticed statistically, a statistical majority, and this is not true false, this is a rational TE thing, extroverted thinking. So this is a statistical majority of people who take depressants end up in their shadow, whereas people who take stimulants end up in their uh, subconscious, basically. Uh, in terms of like uh, drugs bringing about different sides of their mind. Uh, so for example, if I'm going to get drunk, I'm going to be an INTJ shadow. So if I show up to a bar, mm -hmm. right, I'm going to be really bad at playing pool in my ego. When I start drinking, I'm getting really good at playing pool. You know what I mean? And it's situations like that. I mean, where do you think the legend of drunken master came from? Or one of my all time favorite movies with Jackie Chan and Jet Li, uh, The Forbidden Kingdom. And the guy is just really good at Kung Fu and he's even better when he's drunk, right? There's a reason for that because it's putting him in his shadow and his shadow has extroverted sensing in it, whereas his ego does not, right? And it, it, he's able to utilize, put his self-discipline in the background so that he can have his extroverted sensing and be less disciplined in the foreground to make him more effective at Kung Fu, right? It's the same kind of thing. So, but yeah, the, the general rule, and I mean general, the general rule is, you know, depressants put you in your shadow and uh, stimulants put you in your subconscious. Now, can they affect your superego? Yes, they can. Uh, if you are really, really, really deep in your shadow, you could bleed into your superego if you try to aspire with your shadow. Uh, or if you're already aspiring through your subconscious and it gets and, it, and something goes down south when you're really stimulated you can go into your super ego as well from that direction so you still have to be you still have to remember that there is risks of being in your super ego um, but people don't necessarily always behave in a certain way right so you know in the 
SPs have uh, SJ shadows, and when those SJ shadows are usually out because they're drunk, they could become a bit more, you know, uh, violent natured than uh, than other types. So remember, it, it's just it's just different, right? There's a lot of difference uh, that comes into play. Uh, that's why you have people who are like, oh, there he's an angry drunk or he's a happy drunk or you know what I mean. It really just depends on the disposition of their shadow at the time. Uh, but predominantly, depressants takes you to the shadow. And stimulants take you to the uh, uh, to the uh, subconscious. And uh, right. Aiden uh, told us his proper pronunciation. And Aiden also asked another question. Oh, he did. With uh, yep, question right, cool. was and phrased perfectly. Joker and switch to shadow were two separate examples. One of someone dominantly using any side of their mind besides your ego, though your answer can be applied. Right. Uh, well, I would like to speak on that. So uh, typically when someone gets stuck into the side of their mind outside of their ego, uh, it's either for, it's usually for two reasons. Um, one, they're a child because the way children develop, they start off with a quadra and we're going to be talking about this more in depth in season 17, which is around the corner. Uh, but cause we're in season 16 right now. Uh, but uh, specifically with, um, uh, with a child, they're in their quadra. They get, so like I'm in the SFJ slash uh, NTP quadra known as the alpha quadra, right? So if a child's in the alpha quadra, they start off alpha and then the events of that child's life puts them in other sides of their mind, right? So I was, uh, I started out as an ISFJ uh, as, a, as a small child and then my sister was born and then I went into uh, ENTP at the time because my sister was also in, in the same quadrant and I just didn't want to be like the same as her, right? Because of great, she's another SFJ because my sister's an ESFJ, right? Another SFJ, great. My mother is already an SFJ. So I just went into my ENTP uh, shadow or my ENTP side of that quadrant. And then abuse started happening in my life and then I got stuck in my, uh, uh, like after abuse happened, like I got stuck in my shadow uh, from the ENTP. So I stuck in INTJ shadow and I stuck in there till I was like 26 years old. And that's how long it took for my mind to heal from all of the abuse in my life and the trauma. And then I was able to get back into my ENTP ego again. And then people are like, oh, wow, you're like a completely different person than you ever were before. And they're like, yeah, duh. You know, I finally got away from all the sources of trauma in my life. That's literally what happened. And my mind was able to heal. Now, the thing is, though, the way our children work is that, uh, you know, if they can still explore the other sides of their quadra pretty healthily, provided that there's no trauma in their life. Well, that's up until they reach adolescence, because as soon as they hit adolescence, whatever side of the quadra that they're in, that's their ego for the rest of their life, basically. So if you're already stuck in the shadow of an ego through adolescence because of trauma in your life, guess what? That's the ego you're stuck in and you don't get the opportunity to explore the rest of, the, of that quadra which sucks, but that's just kind of how it works. Mm. So, um, but yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that's how I would uh, answer that question. And Aiden says, my bad for like your response. So all good. What, what you got next for us, Jeff? Yeah. All right. Now rubs hands furiously. Everyone on Reddit says George R. R. Martin is an INFP. Do you agree? Who? George R. R. Martin. And they, what do they say he is? An INFP. 
I, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yes, he is an INFP, hands down. He's super informative. He's very behind the scenes, very controlled, very responding. So, yeah, behind the scenes. So he's a background type. Uh, he's very abstract. So he's either an INTP or an INFP out of the, like, right off the bat. But he's not pragmatic, right? He seems pretty pragmatic, but he's not. He's more of playing with the pragmatic because he's very affiliative, right? And he knows how he feels, and he wants other people to think highly of him as a result. Uh, which, yeah, definitely he's an INFP. Now, that doesn't mean we could do a how to type session, uh, you know, one of these Tuesdays and realize, oh, he's actually an INTP, right? It could happen. I haven't looked as deeply into him. But for right now, my working theory, my working belief is, yes, he is an INFP for sure. Okay. Uh, let's go forward. Oh, we got Someone a, asks. We got, a, we got another oh, yeah. one from Periani. Besides John, the man, the mystery, BB. And Dario, any scholar recommendations off the top of my head? So yeah, uh, Dr. Linda Behrens, uh, for sure. Uh, Dr. Linda Behrens for the interaction styles and the temperaments. And uh, Stephen Montgomery, who wrote this book. So, so this book, Stephen Montgomery. And then here's uh, some books by uh, Dr. Linda Behrens. Uh, I recommend all of these for sure uh, as other... Uh, as other scholars uh, in this science, uh, for sure, um, that would be the direction I'd go for. Uh, there's some unpublished material that hasn't made it out quite yet that that should be coming, and uh, we'll definitely, uh, you know, inform everybody when it comes. Uh, but until then, uh, those are basically the sources that I utilize. A lot of people ask me why I don't do David Kiersey, and it's because David Kiersey's wrong about a lot of stuff, and as much as Socionics is wrong about a lot of stuff. And when I look through these material, I'm grabbing what's like true and leaving out all the false, basically, and just kind of moving from there. So, so uh, I hope that answers your question, uh, uh, Perry, uh, Ani, mm. for that. All right. So this person asks, how do I figure out if I am an ENFP or an INFJ? An ENFP or an INFJ? Well, they're both in the same uh, temperament as idealists. So they're both affiliative, interest slash motive based, and uh, abstract. Uh, so their difference is their interaction style. Are you more informative, initiating, or movement, right? Well, they're both movement. So it's like, okay, am I informative or direct? Am I initiating or responding? Find out if you're initiating or responding. Find out if you're informative or direct, and you'll know if you are an ENFP or an INFJ for sure. That's how I would do that. To find out right. more, watch season two and season 15. Right, but they're the shadow of each other. So do you have any comment on how an ENFP in their INFJ shadow would behave or how an INFJ in their ENFP shadow would behave? And like, what would the difference between differentiating whether someone was in their shadow or their ego between those two types? Sure. Uh, so like an INFJ... Uh, an INFJ shadow would they'd be like really worried about their own future. They'd be really critical towards how other people feel. You know, they don't like getting guilt. They do not allow anyone to guilt them into anything. They see being guilted into something as a manipulation. Whereas an INFJ INFJ would actually be able really would feel guilty regardless of manipulation and actually make decisions. An ENFP shadow of an INFJ, they're very paranoid, always concerned that someone's going to screw them, have this insanely high moral standard for themselves that's super ideal. And quite frankly, it's very alienating to other people. 
uh, or potentially alienating. They have to learn to like hold themselves to that standard without holding others to, to that standard, essentially. Uh, but that's uh-huh. by and large uh, some of the main differences uh, between you know th- those two shadows. All right, let's keep moving. Um, is there a martial art that you could advise to an INTP? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, take Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai, uh, as well as Jeet Kune Do. Now, those are nice and they're effective and they're probably what I would recommend anyone learn. But specific to an INTP, if you really want to have like a really good experience that's an excellent martial art that's actually a lot of fun, definitely, hands down, capoeira. Capoeira and become a capoeista, it is absolutely fantastic. It's literally, you get the martial art, the self-discipline for the martial art. It's also music and it's dance at the same time. Even if you don't even know how to play an instrument, the maestro will assign you an instrument and you'll be like, okay, that's your instrument. And you're like, okay, and he'll teach you how to do it. And it's really simple to be part of the band and how the music changes, changes how the dance goes. And then the music changes again. And then the dance turns into all of a sudden it's a combat fight. And the dancers also start trying to do a takedown. And they like they have this huge buildup with the music until it becomes a takedown. And you're actually learning, uh, you know, uh, hand-to-hand combat while simultaneously dancing and playing music. It's, it's an absolute fantastic experience and definitely something I would recommend uh, to any INTP for sure. SI Child absolutely loves it. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I would answer that. Okay, what are some books that, I don't know why he says this, but what are some books that lazy INFP should read related to this? How should I treat my SI child? Say that again. So this is an INFP who asks, what are some books that lazy INFP should read? So uh, I don't know if it's motivational. Literally nonfiction. Right. And relating to this, how should I treat my as I child? Uh, by get forcing, out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. Force you to do things you don't want to do. Force you force yourself to do things that would make you feel bad or not feel good. Mm-hmm. That, that, All right, let's yeah. keep going. Um, would you recommend antidepressants for FI critic? No, no, I would not. Uh, no, I would not. I mean, if I was going to go that far, I'd say smoke marijuana. But otherwise, no, I don't. I don't recommend antidepressants to anybody. Seriously, I don't. If you don't, and if you want to know why, you can find out why at fixyourgut.com. John Brisson has that handled pretty well. Taking antidepressants destroys your gut microbiome, also potentially destroys your hormone output, making you age faster. And if you're a woman, you're just going to end up getting fat over time, potentially, especially, you know, as you get past the age of 26 and your human growth hormone drops, it's just going to destroy your beauty in the long run. You're changing your brain chemistry. It's just not good, right? It's just not good at all. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend that. Not, not remotely. Okay. Uh, what types are more likely to have plastic surgery? Uh, TE childs, TE childs for sure. So ENFPs and uh, ESFPs, SFPs and NFPs, basically that quadra. That quadra is the most likely to have plastic surgery. I have seen some ENFJs and some uh, 
and some like FE childs do it too, but not as much as I have seen SFPs and NFPs do it. Uh, now that's very anecdotal, but when I really do look back on my life and the people that I know for a fact admitted that they'd have plastic surgery, yes, they're in that quadra. Now that's not necessarily fair. It's still biased. Why? Well, because those are the people that are actually willing to admit that they got plastic surgery. And there's some people out there who have had it, but no one even knows, right? And because they're unreported, is that really a good statistic that I can give you anecdotally? No, it's not. So take that with a grain of salt for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, let's keep going. Uh, are, are there any negatives that come with hero functions? Ex example, can TI hero yes. cause nonstop? Nonstop what? Nonstop thinking. Yes, there is there is some huge advantage to hero functions. Let me tell you what the number one disadvantage. Uh, sorry, huge disadvantages to hero functions. Let me tell you the number one disadvantage to hero functions: pride, arrogance, especially right. among like mm -hmm. TI hero, even TE hero. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, FI hero. Oh wow, like like Oof, they they, hero. they they exude the selfishness, right? Whereas the the TE hero exudes that I'm smarter than you. And so also does the TI hero. Like arrogance and pride can be a serious issue. I mean, for me, any hero, it's like, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah, you, nothing, nothing surprises me because I always see it coming, right? So you have to have like, you have to have like an SI hero or like an SJ uh, around the any hero. Yeah, an SI hero, the any hero, and then and then all of a sudden the any hero can't see it coming anymore. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. You got to get your like polar opposite hero function for them to not like to kind of get them brought down a little bit. You know, many notches, etc. Because you know they need to get humbled, and that's that's the issue. That's the main problem with the hero function. Pride. Pride becomes like. A serious problem so you take yourselves down a few notches to do this i recommend you watch season six uh playlist as well as season 13 both of those playlists in order season six and 13 on this channel to kind of understand how how important humility is uh actually season four as well season four talks a lot about humility because humility is the true source of women's beauty for example right so uh, humility is very important but in since everyone has a hero function everyone needs to realize that they need to humble themselves because if they don't they're gonna get taken down by a few notches especially by their opposing uh heroes right um let's keep going and with that does not worrying about the nemesis function help the ego meet the superego since that is the superego's demon function no, 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 no. That's the gateway into the unconscious. No, no, no. It would be getting over the demon function itself and not using the demon for destructive purposes. You have to get to the point where you have such high self-respect that if you have absolutely no other option and you are completely desperate, you have to be willing to set your life on fire, burn it to the ground and rise from it, like rise from the ashes like a phoenix, basically, and to have the guts to be able to do that. That is how you leverage your demon function in a healthy way in conjunction with your ego instead of being at odds with it. Otherwise, the nemesis function is the gateway and managing the nemesis function is the gateway into your shadow. It's not into your superego. That's actually the eighth function. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how does each type present itself when turbulent and assertive? So this comes down to the addition onto some types where it has a T or an A at the end. 
Right. I I don't put any stock in a turbulent or uh, assertive at this point. I just don't. And the reason why is because the test that people use to determine the A's and the T's are, it's all human nurture. It's all nurtural. So I'm focusing specifically as my niche on human nature. And I'll talk a little bit of nurture on the side to help better understand nature, but I'm not going to go so far as to do the turbulence or the, the assertives at all. I'm just not going to do that because oftentimes when I see like, Ooh, you're an ENTPA. And then I'm like, actually, according to the type grid, you're an ENTJ, bro. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like that, it just adds even more to the whole mistyping crap. And the T versus A just allows people to get stuck in the MBTI crap that they've been dealing with. Ooh, I'm typing people by the letter dichotomies and that's way more accurate. And you have to, you have to be typing people holistically for their entire archetype, not just looking at their interaction styles and temperament styles. That's not good enough. You have to look at their type holistically because there's no way in hell Kanye West is an ENTP. And it's like, okay, wow. yeah, no, that's not how that works. I mean, if you're like, no. That's not how it works at all. So again, very nature focused. And as a result of that, the A and the T, I shy away from that because as far as I'm concerned, the A and T, it's neutral and it just leads to even more mistyping. So I'm not going to bother. Like I'm just not going to. Unless I absolutely see for a fact that it is a thing, I'm not seeing it because everything else is easily explained by the type grid and the temperament matrix. So why am I going to bother adding further confusion to people thinking like, you know, oh, I'm actually an ENTJ, but I think I'm an ENTP right now, but I'm an ENTPA, right? Okay, yeah, high five, bro. No, no, I'm not going to stand for that inaccurate crap. No, no, thank you. Okay, um, could you also type Elgore? Now, I mean, I'm I can add that to the list. Yeah, uh, just, just add it to the list. Do you want to give a guess as to what type you think he is? I think he's affiliative. Absolutely. I really think he's affiliative. He kind of seems like an idealist to me. Um, I I want to say INFP would be my first guess for Al Gore. Hmm. Uh, and if not an INFP, then definitely an ESTJ. I mean, I could see ESTJ with him aspiring in his INFP subconscious, especially when he did Inconvenient Truth, for example. Okay. All right, well, let's keep moving. Um, is there a correlation between childhood trauma, which leads to the development of certain types, e.g. more NT slash NF? If so, which form of interaction leads to a higher development of cognitive function, e.g. emotional blackmailing leads to child developing FI slash FE? Question mark? There is no correlation. There's no correlation. We have no idea what causes a child to get into the quadra that they start out with. We have no evidence to show how that is. There is no, there's no evidence for it even genetically. And I know that some people like Dario Nardi have uh, asserted so. I cannot believe that because the method with which that they are utilizing the type people is leading up is like 1.5 times, you know, so only 25% accurate. So no, thanks. I'm not going to stand for that. Uh, I just, and, and it's no offense to Dario Nardi. It's not his fault. He's not his fault that he doesn't have the tools at his disposal to, uh, to accurately type people in that regard. It's not his fault that the tests are just absolute utter crap and it's not, but his, his methods for research, he's definitely onto something. He's just, 
his input is wrong. So he's got good process, but his input is, is not really good and it's leading to bad output and poor feedback, right? So until we change the input for Mr. Nardi, you know, no. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend uh, going in that direction. And, and the answer is no, there is no correlation. Thus, I can't answer those questions or that question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Angelina asks, can you type people that are dead based on the things they've did in their life or is it impossible? And if so, how do you, is there a different process? You can type people based on what they've written, like in their autobiography, or if there's like some video footage of them. Otherwise, it's just theory at that point. Mm -hmm. well, I know in, well, I know ENTPs are known as the debaters. Do they usually refrain from arguing because it is a waste of their time? Do ENTPs think like that, or do they just debate whenever they can? Uh, there always has to be a purpose or reason behind why they're debating. And sometimes they t take at devil's advocate and then they show, uh, um, hold on one second. I, I do want to address the whole like typing a dead person because the massive is like, no, you can't type a person that is dead. No, like actually, yes, you can. If people have memories of the person and you have multiple people with those memories corroborating the same kind of information, you could actually determine a temperament style and an interaction style from that conversation. Like that's, that's a thing. I'm sorry. That's a thing. Uh, anyway, uh, like, like, especially like go to the, all the SI users that that person has ever known, right? If they have high SI, like SI hero, like an ISTJ or, or an ISFJ, both of those would be great. And they would be able to tell you plenty of information about the person and how they behave with very huge accuracy. Go to the SJs, they'll tell you. So uh, anyway, could you answer that question again? Um, okay. Uh... Question was that again? Sorry, turned out. Just it here. And you type dead people, and then I asked. While I know ENTPs are known as the debaters, usually they refrain from arguing because it is a waste of oh, their yeah, time. There has to be a purpose. Like yeah, there has to be a yep. purpose. There, there's always a purpose. They don't just debate for the sake of debating. It always looks like they're debating for the sake of debating. They may even admit that it's debating for the sake of debating, but that's because they probably don't understand that. Because sometimes they could do it from uh, a perspective of duty, like if they feel it's their duty to debate because they need this other person mm -hmm. to understand their flaws or their, or that's a TI parent and SI inferior approach, or they're actually trying to make the person feel better. Or maybe they're trying to protect somebody else in the room by having that debate with somebody with a third party, for example, there's always a reason for it. They don't just do it willy nilly, contrary to popular belief. So uh, Perry Heine asks, uh, what drives your passion for typology? Uh, the answer to that question was, is that I got married to an ESFP when I was 19 years old. And it was a really rough marriage, insanely rough marriage. Uh, and I wanted to save my marriage. And I learned typology specifically to save my marriage. I failed. And I failed absolutely miserably. And why did I fail? Because when I realized that she was an ESFP, I realized that she wasn't going to change, that I need to stop changing her, just give her the freedom to be who she needs to be, and leave her alone. And that's what I did, and that's why we ended up breaking up, and I started seeing other people. 
that's what started my passion for typology. But ever since that point on, it is my duty to learn it and express the science as such, moving it forward for our race to utilize in an attempt to put a stop to fatherlessness, because fatherlessness is the disease that is plaguing our society and causing our society to collapse right before our very eyes because there's no fathers. If we bring the fathers back, if we turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, then we will have a future again. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, a lot of people don't understand that, and I don't care what their opinion is, but this is exactly why I do this, because my theory is, if I can get it so that the entire world actually understands everybody else close to them, or even far from them, understands their neighbor, you know, hashtag love your neighbor as yourself, you know, like Jesus said that, if you love your neighbor as yourself, that means you're loving yourself too, which means you understand yourself, if you understand yourself, you can understand someone else, right? You have to understand everyone else. And if you're going out of your way to understand others, then they should be going out of their way to understand you, right? Which means if everyone's understanding each other, there's no reason to be like, you know, having war, right? Fatherlessness and it destroys maturity as well, and everyone will be mature if the fathers are back, right? I do this because I'm trying to bring the fathers back. You can learn more about my introductory video on the very front page of my YouTube channel, where I explain it there. So, oh, my audio sounds republic. Is my audio still dead? Or like, are you back? No, your audio sounds fine to me. I mean, is it YouTube? Because Street Discord sounds fine to me. YouTube audio is messed up. That's messed up. Uh, that audio is uh, I think I know what you can do. I'm going to restart the audio engine. Yeah, do that. All right. All right, there we go. Is that better? Hello. Are we still underwater? Yay, fixed. Audio engine crash. There we go. Right. Bottom line is right. watch the introductory video on the front page of YouTube. Uh, of my YouTube channel, like it's it tells why I do this. So there mm -hmm. we go. Cool. We're at one hour now, Jab. But let's get a few more questions in. All right, let's like speed answer these. Okay, speed get answer. Through. Let's let's speed yes. answer. Uh, do you believe there are only sixteen personalities? Do you believe in the presence of a finite number of personalities as evidence that our reality is a simulation? Uh, <laughs> what did did Vi or Cats ask that question? <laughs> Uh, Coach Simone. Oh, Coach Simone, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yes, yes, and yes. I, I do believe that there is other personalities out there that are not exactly accessible to the human race at this time, uh, certainly, uh, without a doubt. And it would be arrogant to believe otherwise. I mean, to, to I mean, you could start talking about intelligent design. You could start talking about aliens at that point. But I think it is arrogant to believe that human beings in our current state are the is the only way that we would be, or or are the only sources of personality, or the only carriers of personality types uh, in existence in the cosmos at this point in time. I think that that'd be arrogant. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question: Is it normal for an INTP folk to struggle with doing work such as school and work? For me personally, I can't get myself to focus at or do things that don't interest me. 
Uh, Liz, uh, I will take a look at Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know who he is, so I can't answer that question right now. I apologize for being ignorant. Um, and uh, Jab, I... Can you ask that question one more time? I got distracted. Is it normal for INTP folks to struggle with doing work such as schoolwork? For me personally, I can't get myself to focus or do things that don't interest me. Yeah, it's very normal. I mean, Einstein failed basic math, and yet he had <laughs> the theory of relativity. Absolutely, that's an issue. Like, right. school exists mostly for SJs. Like, let's be honest, school is structured specifically for academics. So SJs and NFPs, and well, affiliative types, basically. Affiliated types, that's whose school really benefits. So NFs and SJs, for sure. Everyone else, the SPs and the NTs kind of get screwed. All right. True or false, an INTJ who is consciously trying to integrate his subconscious tends to be more showman, entertainer, compared to his calm and composed previous unintegrated self. If yes, then isn't that going against the warrior archetype? Because I want to entertain people and I enjoy when they watch me do what I'm good at. So an INTJ... Going ESFP right. subconscious is against warrior. No, it's not against warrior at all. Like sometimes, like think about it this way: when people have gone to war, they used to have drums, they used to have flags, right? They'd have a marching cadence, right? That's, I mean, why can't you use your ESFP for that? You'd still be using that for warrior. You know what I mean? So that's how I'd answer that question. Okay. What is an example of a person having F5 trickster besides having no moral? So what's the difference between having SI trickster and FI trickster? So this person is just basically asking for examples of FI trickster. Uh, so how does this FI trickster? Anything, anything could be good, anything yeah. could be bad. They literally cancel each other out. Do I know what is a good or bad thing? No, I don't. I have to ask you, Jab, what is a good thing to do? I have to ask people close mm -hmm. to me what is a good thing to do. I have no clue. Don't ask me what is a good or bad thing because to me, it's all subjective. Anything could be good. Anything could be bad. Literally anything. And I have no idea. Mm -hmm. All right. What's the correlation between social sciences and codependent personality? Uh, so which types are more codependent than others? Mm, no, what's the correlation between social sciences and codependent personality? Uh, that gets into the psychiatry realm. I don't know the answer to that question. All right. What do you call your typing system? Is there a formal name for it? E.g. Socionics, VTIA, LBOP, etc. Uh, just the Berenzian type grid and uh, the Stephen Montgomery temperament matrix. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, how does one going, go about developing a cognitive function? Example, I'm in ETJ and I feel my SE child is underdeveloped as I don't exist, as I don't exhibit some SE qualities as much as I'd like to. Well, for one, it needs to verify he is an ENTJ. Uh, for two, if he is concerned about his child being underdeveloped, which I've kind of like never heard of before, he needs to focus on giving other people a good experience, including dressing well, having fashion sense, being really good at cooking, uh, presenting things, being a host, hosting a party, uh, doing all sorts of things like that, etc. 
that's how I'd uh, recommend it. All right. Oof. This person hasn't watched our typing videos. Are you versed at all in the objective type website? Their goal seems to be to create objective typing process that can be verified by the scientific method. They've typed over 2,000 people on YouTube, including Trump, and then in brackets they have put ESTP and Alex Jones and then put ENTJ in brackets. How many people have you typed and what is your verification process? Uh, the verification process is looking at the type grid and the temperament matrix. Uh, watch season two and season and then, 15. Right, and then verifying with uh, cognitive functions. Yeah, you look at cognitive functions. Like, oh, is he an FITE user? Is he a TIFE user? Is he an NESI user? Is she an SI or an SENI user, et cetera? So two more questions. All right. Sexual and romantic compatibilities aren't the same as friendship compatibilities. Why? I'm not sure if you want to answer that. I am not answering that question. Nope. That question will not be okay. answered on the stream. I have gone through a wake-up call and find myself selfish and self-centered. How do I stop this? This is an INFP. Uh, thank you, uh, INFP person who's asking this question for realizing that. Uh, I mean, even I as a TI user have to realize that I'm not always right. You know what I mean? So there's, I mean, we all have to deal with humility and it's important that we engage and embrace humility as much as possible. Uh, for you, I would recommend developing your TE inferior uh, and doing a lot of research, becoming an academic while simultaneously volunteering spend a, lo a lot of time giving back to fellow human beings uh, and those that have supported you and even those who have not supported you. Just because someone supports you doesn't mean that you have to support them per se or they are the only people you should support. You should definitely support those who you have not supported in the past or are not getting support. So do a lot of volunteer work, especially also if you're an INFP and you're looking to have a relationship with somebody, when you're doing volunteer work and doing volunteer events, especially with nonprofit organizations, the people running those nonprofit organizations are typically the NFJs that you would desire to be in a relationship with. And because you're there, they'd like be attracted to you, you'd be attracted to them, then boom, you have a romantic relationship on your hands, specifically because you went out of your comfort zone and decided to go volunteer. So that's how I'd answer that question. Mm -hmm. Now, this is another INFP question, but from a different INFP. What advice would you give an INFP who is intimidated by ENFJs because they seem to be accomplished perfectionists with high standards? There's nothing wrong with having high standards. It's just when, uh, you know, you hold yourself to the standard of perfection, but you have to understand that perfection is also inherently flawed. A diamond, a perfect diamond is worthless. So perfection will only get you so far. And in the long run, it's not. It's best to be perfectly imperfect, essentially. Be imperfect. It's what I would recommend because failure is the only thing that's going to give you the wisdom that you need to succeed. It's very lonely at the top, and the air is thin at the top, if you know what I mean. So I recommend at least embracing failure because it will give you the wisdom that you need to move forward while simultaneously not alienating other people in your life as an INJ. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do you want to take a few from the YouTube comment section now? Uh, yeah, let's just, or we'll, do you want to just wrap it up? We'll just do two, well, one or two, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. So let's look at what we got. As an INTP, how can I unleash my inner ENTJ in a healthy way? Uh, awesome. Uh, become a business owner and learn to delegate tasks to other people. Uh, be direct with them. Tell them exactly what you want. 
uh, do it in a way that gives them a good experience. If you don't know how to give people a good experience, hire an advisor, specifically like an SE user, to specifically train your SI child on how to give, to discipline your SI child on how to give other people a good experience and to be a good host. That's how I would recommend that. It's one of the best ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, what else have we got? Um, come on, come on, guys. You got any good questions? Uh, throw something at me right now, quick. <laughs> uh, I'll find one. Let's see here. I was just hoping someone would like try and get some questions in at the end, and that, and then that way I wouldn't have to scroll up to look for one. Yeah, well, I can scroll up. Mm. Yeah, it looks like we've answered almost everything. I mean, we've got just That's over true. a week of comments in Discord. So, like, we're up to, like, 10th okay. or the 11th Here's of October. One. How can ISTPs become more successful? What is our biggest downside? All right, that's, I'll answer that question. It'll be the last question I'll answer tonight, Pencil Eraser. So, if you want something done right, do it yourself. The hallmark of the ISTPs. Because they worry that other people around them are just not intelligent enough uh uh, that are they're not intelligent enough to handle that task and So what the ISTP does is it interrupts them, literally interrupts the person with what they're doing and does it for them. And then it's over with and they move on. That person that they just interrupted feels disrespected. That person didn't learn anything. So they're doomed to repeat that same mistake again. And then they're going to end up feeling worse later. Thank you, ISTPs, for being so arrogant and just like doing that. Like, well, I was helping that person. No, you weren't helping them. Because if you were actually helping them, maybe ISTPs, you should become ENFJ uh, subconscious and actually teach the person. You know, don't just give a man a fish, teach them how to fish so they can eat for the rest of their life. That is your purpose, ISTPs. So basically what you got to do is you have to ask the person if they need help. If they say no, okay, fine, leave them alone or wait till they fail and then come up to them and ask them if you can help them. And then usually they'd say yes, and then you have the opportunity to become the teacher and mentor this person. Mentor them to be a better whatever, maybe they're making widgets, to be a better widget maker or assembler. I have no idea. But that's how an ISTP should be behaving. Instead of being arrogant and interrupting that person and being a know-it-all, that doesn't help at all. So, and, uh, Advice for people here tonight you haven't given, uh, basically, uh, don't live in fear and don't be worried all the time. Uh, life is too short to dance with ugly girls. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't watched season four, season six, and season 13 playlists in order on my YouTube channel, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. There's a lot of really good, you know, hashtag wisdom in there you know so like check those out learn about human nurture because human nature is only like half the story etc and uh all, and one more thing uh this is like a book giveaway so if you guys want a copy of this specific book uh in introduction interaction styles by linda barons understanding yourself and others uh make sure you guys leave a comment and a like um uh, and be a subscriber uh, in this particular uh, video. And uh, we'll be announcing the uh, winner uh, this weekend uh, sometime. And I think that's everything for me, Jeb. Yeah. Um, 
Anything else? We got pretty far in the questions. Good. Got a little over a week. So we're up to like the 10th or the 11th of October on the Discord. Awesome. So we're pretty good. I mean, it's looking like we're actually going to catch up and <laughs> overlap and maybe we'll have some shorter streams and be able to take some more YouTube questions and have a bit more of an interactive stream at that point. Or, yeah. So interaction to have some guests too. What do you think? Some guests? Yeah. Who are we going to invite on first? Oh, man. I don't know. Any chats? Any chat suggestions? Who, who are we inviting to the show? Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good. good thing. Yeah, well, leave it as a comment. Um, on a side note, thanks you, thank you all for coming. Um, we may be bringing a new s- stream, which would be typing famous people, but instead it's going to be a fiction edition. That's why yeah. there's a separate subsection. Yeah, we're going to have um, fictional character typing. <laughs> Which is going to be a little bit harder. It's going to be a lot harder because the writing could be so terrible and they could have different personalities in the same episode. It's like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be interesting. Anyway, so yeah, make sure you get in the Discord, leave some typing suggestions. I'm looking for a spicy one to kick off the fictional character one. So if you've got any good fictional characters you think are extremely spicy, uh, put them in the suggestion bar. On the Discord chat. And on that note, I will bid you all au revoir. All right, cool. You folks have a good night, and uh, we'll see you on the stream next week. Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, and Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern is our, like, actual streaming schedule right now. So see you then. Later. See you.